Good morning, church. Good morning, church. We are not getting started yet. I just wanted to let you know, if you have your own chairs with you today and you can't, um, can't find a place on the shade over here, just see if you can't share with another family over here underneath the easy ups, or you're welcome to just take a chair uh, that's already set up. But let's make sure that, um, you know, we don't don't think because you brought a chair that you have to use that chair necessarily at this point. So I see people walking around with a chair and no shady spot to put it down. Either look for someone to share some space under an easy up or just go ahead and sit in one of the other seats this morning. But we'll get started in a few. Everybody's getting here. It is great to be gathered here together. We are not in the house of the Lord. We're in the Lord's backyard, though. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we'll get ready to worship in a moment or two.
I'm gonna use your mic if you don't mind, bro. They just started a five-minute timer. Oh, did they? Okay. That's what they said you told them to. Well, she. I said I didn't think we were doing a timer. I thought she sent you. I ride my bike to work. Good morning, church family. Good morning. So, um, I, I want to say, everyone, come grab a seat and uh, find a seat so we can make sure we have enough seats. If you don't have one, there's open seats. If you need a little more spacing, there's seats uh, over against the building here, against the building to my left, your right. And I wanted to say, let's get this party started, but I believe we already have. Amen? So it seems disingenuine or disingenuous to announce that we're having a celebration Sunday out back here at the end of the month because this is a celebration today, isn't it? What a wonderful day it is. Look, today we're going to stand and we're going to open the service praying together. If you would stand with me, we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together, the, the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples to pray. It's from Matthew 6, 34. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's worship church family. Let's worship. Well, amen. Let's sing together. Arise, for the light has come. Darkness bows down to the risen sun, the risen sun. Arise. Raise your hands and sing to the one God, to the one God. Cause you are, you are the matchless king who tore down the gates of the enemy. Make way, make way for Christ and sing. Let your kingdom come, let your kingdom come. Take a rise to the battle is won. 
arise for the battle's won and our hearts bow down to the risen sun the risen sun arise raise your hands and say yeah to the gates of enemy make way make way for Christ and sin let your kingdom come let the light shine in 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 we'll let your light shine in we'll let your light works. Let's praise Him that He gives us life and salvation. Let's praise Him for the blood that He spilled willingly for our sake. There's nothing else that can cleanse us, nothing else that can bring us, bring us back to God. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus What can make me whole again Nothing but the blood of Jesus And all precious is the flow That makes me white as snow 
Sing for my pardon, this I plead. For my pardon, this I see. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. For my cleansing, this my plea. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And all precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing can for sin atone. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Not of good that I have done. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And all. Precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Nothing but His blood. And we thank You, Lord. We thank You for Your precious blood, for Your sacrifice on the cross. Let's sing it out, church. This is my hope and my peace. This is all my hope and peace. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. This is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus, and all precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
Amen. Let's sing praise to the Lord for his wondrous mercy and his grace. Praise the Lord, his mercy is more strong in darkness, new every morn. Our sins they are many, his mercy is more. love could remember what love could remember no wrongs we have done on missions on the wing he counts not their sum thrown into a sea without bottom or shore our sins they are many his mercy is gone praise the Lord Praise the Lord, His mercy is more. Stronger in darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many, His mercy is Patience will wait as we constantly roam. What Father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. Praise the Riches of kindness, what riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment, his life was withstood. We stood neath the death we could never afford. Our sins, they are many, his mercy.
mercy is more mercy we thank you that no matter the sins that we're walking in no matter what it is that your mercy is greater that we will never commit a sin so bad that you can't forgive it and that you offer that forgiveness to us freely we love you we thank you for this time we thank you for this worship may your name be glorified as we continue in our service we praise in your name amen Thank you, church. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Welcome, welcome. I feel like I need to take my shoes off out here, right? <laughs> so nice to be able to be, be together. Hey, I've got a chance this morning um, to pray for our vice president. So I'd like you, if you would, to join me, but I want to remind us, too, as our mixed-up world oh, seems to be standing for so many things and kneeling for things, um, let, us, let us really stop and take this time and, and think about standing against evil, right? The corrupt systems that are in our world, the evil even that lurks in our own hearts, and let us be reminded as well, whenever we kneel, we're going to kneel for, for one someday, right? Every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we pray and as we ponder what we should be doing as Christians, I want to remind us of that. That's been something that's been on my heart as I've been saddened, confused, angry, as I'm sure each of you have felt many of these same emotions. So I'm going to lift up our vice president. I'm going to encourage you in this. And then I'm also going to lift up one of our brothers. We, we sent one of our brothers to the hospital this morning, feeling disoriented. I'm not going to say his name right now, but we'll check in with him later, see how he's doing. But I want you to keep that in mind as well. There, there are those of, among us that, you know, we, um, we're not well all the time. We live in a world that's affected by sin and disease and death. So let's keep, keep this brother in prayer as well. So if you would... Let's take just a moment in prayer. So, Father, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you that in this life of confusion, as we look out into this world in this sea of emotions and sea of just um, sin and destruction, Father, we, we just thank you that we have a hope in you, that Jesus, that you came and you died for us, and someday we will bow a knee to you. Um, as, as, a, as this entire world will, um, and we are privileged that we can be called your sons and daughters. Lord, we lift up our country. Um, we know that we are sojourners here and that we will someday pass from this life through death into eternal life, but we do pray for our country. We pray for our president, our vice president, 
um, as they lead in these times that I, I imagine none of us could have dreamed about uh, just a very short few months ago. Um, I do pray that you would give um, Vice President Pence uh, wisdom and endurance and um, stamina where needed. I pray that you would help him to be firm and compassionate where needed as well. Father, I lift up also, I lift up our brothers and sisters at Grace Community as they, um, and John MacArthur and the elders there, as they are, I'm sure, having a challenging day today and kind of in the front lines of a lot of what we see going on in our, our world. I pray that you would just be with that church and those men and women there. Uh, Father, I also pray for a brother this morning that we've sent out to the hospital. I pray that um, whatever's going on there, that you would just be with him, that you'd comfort him and his wife, um, that you'd be with the doctors as they examine him. And again, I know this is a, a good, dear brother. I know he has grounded faith in you, but I pray that you would just uh, touch his body right now and that should be with his mind and his heart. So, Lord, we just thank you that we have the opportunity to be here in your creation in this um, beautiful setting. I pray that you would just bless this time, that um, as we wrap up the service, that people would be able to hang around and visit and just do some of those things that we've been missing so, um, so much. I pray for Nathan as he gets ready to bring your word. I just pray that you'd bless him in that. And we do thank you so much for this opportunity to gather here in your name, in your precious name. Amen. Good morning. This is uh, pretty awesome for me. Um, all the years of having two services and almost having two different churches, first service, second service, uh, welcome, meet each other, shake each other's hands. Uh, it is, uh, you know, we never thought with all this happening that we'd have this idea of having one church service outside that just kind of went and uh, the fellowship we've been missing, um, I hope we feel today, I am joy-filled um, for all the discouragement and frustrations that we have gone through, this is actually pretty neat. I'm excited for this, and I hope you guys do stick around and try to meet someone maybe you don't know. So, yeah. Our passage this morning, if you would, turn to Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. By God's providence, this is almost the perfect passage for today, as you will see. The last... Uh, Sunday, I said, we're going to start looking at three visions of God, three different visions of God. Um, and my goal has been twofold in doing this. First, to encourage us. I feel like uh, we need encouragement as a church. Uh, I think the church in America, I think people in general just need encouragement right now. And uh, the goal is to get our minds off the temp temporal and, and look at the eternal, so one of my goals is to encourage us. Second is to unite us as a church. As I said last week, we are united in our worship of God. And that should transcend everything. God's value, his worth, that's where that word worship comes from, should transcend all of our differences, our different preferences, our different opinions. We as a church are united in our love 
Even if we disagree on earthly matters, and there's a lot of disagreement right now, we are united in this worship of God. So there's two goals in looking at these three visions, again, to encourage us and to unite us. Last week, we looked at Isaiah 6, and we saw the holiness of God, that God is holy, holy, holy. Isaiah 6.1 actually says, in the year that King Uzziah died, and we talked about this last week, this was uncertain circumstances, political uncertainty, national uncertainty. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon the throne high and lifted up. This vision was to encourage Isaiah. He had a vision of God, but also Isaiah saw this awesome holy God and crumbled. He said, woe is me for I am lost or I am ruined or I am undone. There is no argument, no justification, no defense. He was naked and exposed in front of this holy God and found guilty. But instead of receiving God's judgment, God in his love, mercy, and grace extended grace to Isaiah. It's an incredible vision, but even more so incredible grace that we see. And afterwards, Isaiah heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us, the Trinity? And he said, Here I am, send me. The fear and terror is gone. It is changed to boldness and and courage and confidence. After seeing this awesome, holy, powerful God and experiencing the love, grace, and mercy of God, he was encouraged. That word courage is in there. He needed courage to proclaim judgment on Israel and Judah and the nations. To bring truth and to be light to a sinful nation, to a sinful culture. It took courage. In fact, it took his life. My goal, again, is to encourage us, to embolden us as a church as we worship this awesome, loving, holy, good God. So if you would, look at Ezekiel 1, verse 1 with me. This is very similar to Isaiah 6, but there are some differences. So let's look at this. Ezekiel 1, verse 1, it says this, In the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I, saw among, or I was among the exiles by the Chadar Canal. Just so the context of this passage, Ezekiel is hundreds of miles from Jerusalem. He's among the exiles, he says. He's, he's in Babylon. Babylon has conquered Judah, and he's taken thousands of young men back to Babylon, the most talented, the most given, or gifted, to assimilate them into a Babylonian culture, an evil pagan culture. And you think of the challenges this would have been for the Israelites. Ezekiel, one of them, he also was a, a contemporary of Daniel, they probably knew each other. We're taken to Babylon, this evil pagan nation. Last week, we saw Isaiah facing political uncertainty, national uncertainty that we said somewhat parallel a little bit, maybe what we're feeling right now and going through. But Ezekiel is a captive of an evil pagan nation that knows nothing of this God that they worship. Ezekiel 1.1 says this, In the thirteenth year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, I was among the exiles by the Chadar Canal. The, The heavens were opened, and I saw a vision of God. Just like Isaiah, Ezekiel sees a vision of God. Verse 2, On the fifth day of the month, it was the fifth year of the exiles of King Jehoiachin, the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel, the priest, the son of Buzai, the land of the Chadians, by the Chadar Canal, And the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Look at verse 3 real quick. One more time. It says, The Lord 
or the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest. Ezekiel was a priest before he was called to be a prophet. You think about that. A priest's life was centered around the, the temple, around temple worship. What is a priest going to do in a foreign country hundreds of miles away from the temple? This was a struggle, honestly, not just for priests, but for all Jews right, in exile. How were the Jews going to worship God in the land of the Chaldeans? Miles away from Jerusalem, miles away from the temple. Remember, Jewish worship was connected to the temple. In fact, Jewish identity was connected to the temple. The, the temple was the core uh, of their identity. And they're being exiled hundreds of miles away from the temple. It's in this context that Ezekiel sees a vision of God. And this passage, if you've ever read it, is actually very difficult. A lot of people, I think, start reading and go, this is weird, I'm done, let's move on to the next book of the Bible. Um, there's a few things I think are helpful before you even start reading to understand this passage. Uh, first is the outline. You're going to see in verses 5 through 14 as we read through this that there's these four living creatures that are described in this vision. Second uh, part, we see in verses 15 through 21, four wheels that are underneath these creatures. So picture these creatures, these, these angelic beings, and having four wheels underneath them. And there's these, this long description of these wheels. In verses 22 to 28, there's a platform and a throne above the creatures. These creatures are holding up this platform and throne. In verses 28, we see the glory of the Lord. So it's the first thing that I think helps us is the outline. The second thing, Ezekiel really has a hard time describing what he sees. You don't see this in English, but in the Hebrew, the grammar and language is kind of a mess. Why is that? Well, have you ever seen something that's so amazing that it's hard to describe? That's what's going on here. Ezekiel's having a hard time describing this. But think about that for a second. Because this is an inspired word of God. In other words, God has inspired Ezekiel to write a passage that conveys the idea that what he saw is beyond description. God inspired Ezekiel to be lost for words in this vision. Also think about this. I'm trying to explain a passage that's trying to explain an experience that's completely and utterly unexplainable. We worship an awesome God. It's so far beyond us. Third thing I want you to notice, and this will help understand the passage, is repeated words. We see repeated words over and over again. We see fire, lightning, brightness. We see the number four used over and over and over again. Pay attention to the number four. Like and likeness. The word like is used over and over again because, because Ezekiel can't explain what he's seeing. He says it's like this. It's in the likeness of this because it's beyond anything he's seen before. The last thing I want you to pay attention is the emphasis on mobility. The creatures are mobile. The wheels are mobile. Therefore, the throne of God is mobile. So let's go through this passage. Starting in verse 4, we see these leaving creatures. It says this in verse 4, As I looked, behold, a stormy wind came out of the north and a great cloud. Last week we saw that clouds and smoke surround the throne of God. We've seen this in Psalms 97 and Isaiah 6. It's the same here out of the north. A great cloud with brightness all around it and fire flashing forth continually. And in the midst of the fire, it was as it were, were gleaming metal. This is an electrical storm, a dark cloud that's coming with lightning and thunder coming from it. Verse 5, And from the midst of it, this cloud, came the likeness of four living creatures. 
And this was their appearance. They had a human likeness, but each had four faces, and each of them had four wings. Again, that number four, over and over and over again. Four creatures, four faces, four wings. Verse 7, their legs were straight, and the soles of their feet were like the soles of calf's foot, and they sparkled like burning or burnished bronze. And under their wings, um, on their four sides, they had human hands, and their four had their faces and their their wings thus, their wings touched one another. Each one of them went straight forward without turning as they went. Again, four, 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 likeness, likeness, likeness. Verse 10, as for the likeness of their face, each had a human face. The four had faces of a lion on the right side, and, and four had the face of the ox on the left side, and four had faces of an eagle. We see four faces in the likeness of human face, a, a lion's face, an ox face, and an eagle's face. Verse 11, such were their faces and their wings were spread out above. Each creature had two wings, each of which touched each other while two covered their bodies. Now pay close attention to this movement. Verse 12, and each went straight forward. Wherever the spirit would go, they went without turning as they went. Why not, why not without turning? Why without turning? Think about it. They have four faces looking each direction. They didn't have to turn. They could go straight this way, straight that way. They go any direction. Wherever the Spirit directed them, they went. The Spirit here is the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 13. As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches moving to and fro among the living creatures. And the fire was bright, and out of the fire went forth lightning, and the creatures darted to and fro like the appearance of flashes of lightning. Not only did they move any direction because of their faces, but they moved like lightning. I hope you're picturing the awesomeness of this vision. Verse, six, or verse 15, as I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the earth beside them, the living creatures, each one of them, four, four of them, they're going to start describing, Ezekiel's going to start describing these wheels. There's four wheels under these four creatures with four faces. Verse 16, as for the appearance of the wheels, as their construction, their appearance was like the gleaming of uh, Burel, and the four had the same likeness, their appearance and construction being as it were, a wheel within a wheel. Somehow there was a wheel within the a wheel. I've been contemplating and thinking about this. Just think of a ball. Right, a wheel within a wheel, a ball can move any direction. And this is key, verse 17. When they went, they went as their four directions without turning as they went. Again, we see movement. The wheels can move any direction without turning, just like the four creatures, just like lightning. It gets a little weirder, verse 18. And their rims were tall and awesome, and the rims... Of all four were full of eyes all around. And when the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures rose from the earth, the wheels rose. They could levitate. Verse 20. Wherever the spirit wanted to go, they went. And the wheels rose among them, for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Again, verse 20 says, wherever their spirit wanted to go, they went. Just like the creatures, the wheels can move any direction directed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, when those went, 
These went, and when, when those stood, these stood, and when those rose from the earth, the wheels rose from them, from the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. So what's this mean? This is such an interesting vision. I mean, you have these four creatures with four wheels underneath them that can go any direction, that move like lightning, and we're going to find out there's a platform above these creatures, and on the platform is the throne of God. Why so much about the movement? I mean, we spent so many verses talking about this. It's simple. God is mobile. He's not stuck in Jerusalem. He's not stuck in the temple. The wheels and the creatures can move anywhere, holding God's throne directed by the Holy Spirit. God is showing Ezekiel through this vision that his throne is not limited to the land of Israel. The pagan gods were limited to lands, but not the one true God. God is not limited to the temple. Remember, Isaiah had this vision in the temple. Ezekiel is having his vision in Babylon. Isaiah's vision focused on the holiness of God. Ezekiel's vision focuses on the omnipresence of God, that he's everywhere, even in Babylon. In fact, Ezekiel was outside during this vision. Just how perfect is this, right? God's not limited to a land. He's not limited to a building. We can worship him, and I think in a lot of ways, better outside as we look at his creation. He had this vision outside Look at verse 22. Over the heads of the living creatures, there was the likeness of an expanse shining like awe-inspiring crystal spread about their heads. This expanse is like some kind of platform above their heads, above the creatures. Verse 23. And under the expanse, their wings were stretched out straight and toward one another. And each creature had two wings covering their body. And, and when they went, they heard a sound um, of their wings like the sound of many waters. When, when these creatures would flap their wings, it was like the ocean waves or, or a massive waterfall. Think the Niagara Falls. Or, I mean, just how powerful this was. Like, like the sound of many waters, like the sound of the Almighty, like a, like a sound of a, a, a tremult, the, the, like the sound of an army. When, the sa- when they stood still, they would let down their wings and there came a voice above the expanse over their heads When they stood still, they let down their wings, verse 26, and above the expanse over their heads, this is above everything, there was the likeness of a throne and the appearance like a sapphire, and seated above the likeness of a throne was the likeness of a human appearance. God is on his throne. Just like Isaiah 6, verse 1. In the year King Uzziah died, this time of uncertainty, I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, high and lifted up. God is still on his throne. Even when Israel was exiled to Babylon. And he had a likeness of a human appearance. There's very little description of what God looks like. It's the stuff that's around God because God is so undescribable. Look at verse 27. And upward, from what had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, gleaming metal like the appearance of a fire enclosed around him. And downward, from what uh, had the appearance of his waist, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire and the brightness around him, like the appearance of, of the bow that is in the clouds on the day of rain. Of course, that's a rainbow. 
So is the appearance of the brightness all around him. And then we get to the climax of this whole entire passage in verse 28. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. The glory of God outdid everything. It's so glorious. Again, Ezekiel can only describe it in, in few words, half a sentence or half a verse. In fact, it just says, such is the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Ezekiel was in the presence of holiness, perfection, in the presence of a just, awesome, holy God. And what was Ezekiel's reaction? The same as Isaiah's. And, I, and when I saw it, this grand vision, and when I saw it, I fell on my face. One moment, complete and utter fear. He crumbled, just like Isaiah. He was undone, ruined, exposed, naked, terrified. He was on his face, bowed on the ground, saying, My life is in your hands. The wages of sin is death. I am a sinner. I am a rebel. I am doomed. Woe is me because you are holy and just and your justice demands my death. I fell on my face and I heard the voice of one speaking. Look at Ezekiel chapter 2 verse 1 now. It's very simple, verse 1. And he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. Just think about that. How could Ezekiel stand in the presence of the Lord? Moses just saw the back end of God, and people couldn't even look at Moses. Isaiah cried out, Woe is me! The sinless angelic beings, as we saw last week, had to hide their face from the presence of God. How could Ezekiel stand in the presence of the Lord? Look at verse 2. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. It was the same Holy Spirit that directed the creatures and the wills. Now is directing Ezekiel to stand in the presence of the Lord. You know what that is? It's grace. It's grace. It's like Isaiah was God's mercy and grace to allow him to stand in the presence of the throne. That's love. That's the love of God. The throne of God's awesome, right? It's beyond description as we've been seeing. It's holy and completely terrifying. Especially to us sinners. But listen what Hebrews 4.16 says, let us, that's sinners, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. The throne of grace is the throne of God. The throne of God is the throne of grace. For those that are saved, for those that have put their trust in Jesus who came, lived the perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, who, who, who put their faith in him, who was raised on the third day and is Lord of Lord and King of Kings right now, for those that have trusted him, just like Ezekiel, just like Isaiah, we can approach 
the throne of God confidently and boldly, knowing that the grace of the Lord has covered our sins. Let us then draw, confidently draw near to the throne of grace. Again, for those that put their faith in Jesus, the throne becomes the throne of grace. In our time of need, we approach the throne of grace for encouragement. Hebrews 4.16 again, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God's grace is our encouragement. It should embolden us. It should encourage us to live boldly for Christ. This is exactly what it did for Ezekiel. Ezekiel 2, verse 1 again, he said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. And, and as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, Son of man, I, I send you to the people of Israel. In other words, you will be my servant. You are going to be my prophet. I hope you're seeing a pattern in these visions. Man has a vision of this awesome, glorious, holy God, and he is rightly terrified. He's humbled. He's undone. He crumbles before the righteousness and perfection and the, the holiness of God. And God extends mercy and grace and man, through that, boldly and confidently becomes a willing servant of this great God. For Isaiah and Ezekiel, they had a hard calling to proclaim truth, to proclaim judgment. Right? This is the gospel. Man gets an understanding of who this great God is. Man is rightfully terrified knowing he's not in right standing because God is holy and we are sinners. Man humbly repents and cries out for mercy, and this great God extends mercy, love, and grace. Man becomes a servant. For Isaiah and Ezekiel, this is a hard calling as a prophet. They didn't make many friends at all. In fact, they were offensive to a culture that was evil. They proclaimed truth. They lived out truth. It was a hard calling. And you know what? We have a similar calling. We have a similar calling. In fact, if you would, I want to end by looking at Matthew 10, verse 16. You know, there's going to be people in our culture, even within Tehachapi, that aren't going to understand why fellowship is so important to us as a church. In fact, they might be mad at us that we come together to fellowship. But our fellowship is light. Us being together is truth. It's important. It's important that we sing together, worship together, pray together, open God's word together, even if it's offensive. Look what Matthew 10, 16 says. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep 
in the midst of wolves. You thought this was supposed to be an encouraging sermon, Nathan. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of men. They will deliver you over to courts and flog you in the synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. When, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you will speak or what you will say, for, for what you are, are to say will be given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but the Spirit, that same Spirit that's in the wheels directing God's throne in the creatures that was in, in Isaiah, in Ezekiel. But the spirit of your father speaking through you, brother will deliver brother over to death and father his children and children will raise up against parents and have them put to death and you will be hated for my name's sake. The one endures to the end will be saved. I know Jesus is talking to to his disciples here in particular, but that goes to the church. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. Verse 23, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they called the master of the house Beelzebul, which is Satan, devil, or evil, how much more will they malign those of his household? Again, I thought this was supposed to be encouraging. Well, it's encouraging. Look at verse 26. So I have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden, that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say it in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim it on the housetops. In other words, that's our calling, to be light in this world, to proclaim truth and to live truth. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? But even the hairs of your head are numbered. I hope you're seeing we worship an awesome God through these visions. Look what it says in verse 31. Fear not, therefore, you are more valuable than many sparrows. God is in control. He is sovereign. He is good. He is wise. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is with us now. God is on his throne. Therefore, we should rejoice. Even if we see struggling company, we should, re we should rejoice. In fact, Psalms 97 says, The Lord reigns. Let us rejoice. Let many coastlands be glad. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father God, we do worship you because you're worth our worship. Lord God, I pray that you're with us as a congregation, Lord, as we move forward as a church, Lord, that we are a witness of you, Lord, that we proclaim truth, that we live truth, Lord, that we're not offensive just to be offensive, that we're careful not to be more offensive than any truth that you have given us, Lord, but we're not afraid to speak boldly, to live boldly, even if it is offensive. Help us to be bold as a church, Lord. Encourage us. Give us courage, Lord. In your son's name, amen.
I'd like to invite you to stand, and we're just going to sing a closing song together. Oh, 
to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, oh, oh. I say, bear your cross. As you wait for the crown, tell the world of the treasure he found. Yeah. Say that one more time. Bear your cross. Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure. Well, Father, thank you for that reminder that this world is not our home. We have a hope that will not disappoint us. And we can look forward to the crown that you have promised. And God, give us boldness to speak of that treasure, the rich, rich treasure that we have in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, I'd like to ask you to be seated just for a minute. So we have uh, had that experiment today. What would you say? Was it a successful experiment? I think so, too. I think so, too. I wanted to thank those of you. I know that the men that spent a lot of time this week preparing this for you would be so embarrassed if I mentioned their names, so I will not, but I will so th say thank you to those who spent so much time up here this week getting the awnings put up. We have some more shade coming. So since this was a, um, a successful experiment today, we'll do this again next week the same way. For those of you that brought easy ups and, and your own chairs, thank you all so much. And I would encourage you to do the same. We could use more easy ups and uh, more shade. So we appreciate that and thank you all for doing that as well. And uh, just a couple of announcements as we get ready to close today. Baby bottles were due back today. I know that doesn't do much good to tell you that now. So if you have baby bottles that are full for the Family Life Pregnancy Center, bring them by the church office or bring them next Sunday. We'd be just fine. Um, a couple of ministries happening. Grab a blue paper on your way out. Rather than announce this um, online, I'll just say grab one of these on the way out so you can see what's happening with church. But we are going to be having a celebration Sunday here on the 30th, the last Sunday of the month. We'll take Lord's Supper together. We will um, have baby dedications, baptisms, um, really a great time of fellowship. So we are looking forward to doing that out here. If you would like to be baptized, there'll be a baptism class on the 23rd. New members, many of you have gone through new membership um, 
meetings one and two. We will be holding meeting number three next Sunday after church back here in one of the rooms. So uh, if you've been through new members um, uh, classes one and two, sessions one and two, please join us for session three. We would love to introduce you as church family on the celebration Sunday at the end of the month. So with um, those things said, um, like I said, blue paper on your way out. Next week, we'll have more lyrics. Notice that if anything didn't go right today, we were a few copies of lyrics short. I think we did pretty well with that. Amen? Amen. Good job to all who helped out. Again, thank you. And now let's stand and receive a blessing as we go. This is from Numbers chapter 7. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons and say this, thus you shall just, uh, just thus you shall bless the people of Israel and you shall say to them this, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Brothers and sisters, go with God's grace and peace today, but not until after you hang around in fellowship for a little bit. Amen.